And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Turkey Football League show Thursday edition Adkins exits Addicts it rained goals and rain in Plymouth Forrester in the pink Wimbledon can't help falling in love with Presley's minerals and we talk food banks with a chicken this is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power Hey listener, I hope you're well. It's me, Matt, back with you. I'm joined today by Totally Football League show stalwart Adrian Clark. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Adrian. And making his debut appearance fresh from scoring against Sheffield United on Tuesday night. It's only Millwall's Jed Wallace. Hi, Jed. Matt, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. It is our pleasure and it's brilliant timing as well uh, because you scored either the best or the luckiest goal of the season at Bramall Lane on Tuesday night. I- I'll let you decide. Yeah, I'm not going to... I would like to sit here and pretend I meant it. Um, but yeah, definitely a little bit of luck um, with that one. I think we have one similar actually with Forrest a couple of weeks ago with, with Max Lowe done something similar to us. And I think we probably were due one and we had such a good start to the game that we probably deserved that really. But yeah, I'll, I'll certainly take it after missing a penalty. It was nice to get three days later, Football League for you, a little twist, uh, an accidental cross flies into the top corner and that's the life of a footballer, I suppose. What was the celebration about? So a couple of last international break, I went to Disneyland Paris, uh, me, my missus and my two kids, they're three and two and they're very keen on superheroes at the moment. And then also I was watching uh, Shazam on Netflix before the game and Matt Smith sort of looked over to me and was like, you're 27, why are you watching that? And I just said, listen, mate, I'm just watching a superhero movie, leave me be. And he said, right, if you've got a score, then you're going to do the superhero celebration. So yeah. It went in and, and why not? So it pleased the kids and it pleased Matt Smith. So everyone was a winner. <laughs> Everybody's happy. <laughs> it, was a, it was a terrific win and, and back-to-back wins on the road in the league. That's really difficult to do in the championship, isn't it? So I, I'm guessing you're all really pleased with that. Yeah, we've um, gone full circle really in my time at Millwall. We used to be great sort of at home and struggled away. And since uh, Gary's come in, we've really, really picked up away from home and um, playing a sort of different formation, a 3-4-3. It's really worked away from home on the counter-attack and just if we can improve that home form and get that home form to, to probably what it has been pre-lockdown, um, then we'll certainly be towards towards where we want to be and obviously that's that top six. What, what is it about the home form, Jed? Because everybody was assuming that once the fans got back in the new den, it was going to be obviously intimidating. It always is whoever plays there. You've got great support, um, but it hasn't worked out like that, has it? You've struggled to to score a lot of goals there so far yeah. this season. Yeah, we've been a bit slow starters really in games. Um I think we probably I think we've only scored two goals in, in the first half of games this season. So we have been a bit slow starting. But we've also had tough games at home. Uh we drew to Blackburn, we should have beat them, beat Bristol City, we lost to a Fulham team on the night that to be honest were looked like absolute world beaters. Drew to Coventry. So we've had some difficult games there and obviously a disappointing loss on the weekend to Luton. 
And and it is frustrating when you go to these difficult away games, um, like your Sheffield United's and, and you pick up results, then you wanna you wanna follow that up with a home game, which we're looking to do this weekend against Stoke. Can I just ask you about yourself? Like I, I don't want to embarrass you with stats, but they're really good. <laughs> uh, five goals, four assists this season. What did you get last year? Eleven goals, five assists. The year before ten and thirteen assists. I mean that is that is great in product. If only you were a few years younger, you'd be worth a few quid, wouldn't you, right now? I yeah, mean... I know, right? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I think, yeah, if my name was Wallace Adenio, I quite often say to my friends, I might get a little bit more uh, respect. But no, I don't know, like, just try and be yeah. consistent. And I've always had a lot of quality in my game, probably in my younger years, when I first come to Mill, maybe 22, 23, it's that inconsistency in my game. Um, but I feel like I've really added that uh, the last couple of years and obviously 27 now coming into my prime. Um, so, yeah, just feel consistent. Always want to chip in with as many goals and assists as I can and try and get us in that top six. Was there a point last summer where you even considered leaving or you came close to leaving? Because there must have been a lot of sort of options for you out there. No, I'm happy at Millwall. Um, I, I, I love my time at Millwall. I always have. I've, I've re-signed for the club three times, which I think tells you everything you wanted to know sort of thing. But my, my ultimate aspiration is to play in the Premier League. I grew up as a child wanting to play in the Premier League and, and that still remains my target. Um, so I'm just working as hard as I can with Millwall to, like a lot of other teams in this league and QPR, Middlesbrough, Forest, to try and bridge that gap from a mid-table team to a top six team is a challenge, but it's something that we're, we're trying to do. Really is a challenge, yeah. Good luck with that. We're going to hear more from Jed as the show goes on, of course. Next, though, let's get to some winners and losers from the midweek games. So, Mr Klopp, what's been troubling you? Well, it's a very important time of the year, and I'm worried we're not going to be able to get the most out of it. Yeah, there's a lot of big games coming up. Games? No, I'm talking about Oktoberfest, Sauerkraut, Steins, Lederhosen, the one time Germany comes to England, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it can seem like they don't know what they're doing, but with Paddy Power, you always know you're getting Das Beste rewards, like money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match bet builder bets only, min odds 1 to 5, per leg, min 4 plus legs, max free bet £10 per day, excludes enhanced match odds on and exclusive T's and C's apply, 18 plus begambleaware.org. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, right then, all three leagues were in action Tuesday and Wednesday. We will be talking Forest soon, you'll be pleased to know, listener. Other than that though, Clark, give me some standout headlines from the midweek for you. Oh, um, I think in terms of losers, Bolton. Um, I mean, you could look at a winner and a loser, couldn't you, in that game, Plymouth against Bolton in the rain. I mean, that was unbelievable. Plymouth's groundsman, the winner for uh, getting the game finished? <laughs> Honestly, if that had gone on for another quarter of an hour, surely it would have been called off. It was it was just ridiculous, wasn't it? I've never seen anything like it. Uh, that goal was just the funniest goal you'll see all season, wasn't it? That last one, just brilliant. Um, so, yeah, big winners for Plymouth. We talked about those on a recent podcast. I mean, they're, they're, they're flying. Good luck to them. Um, but for Bolton, oh, rotten couple of weeks, really. Three losses, no goals, lots of sort of chopping and changing, few injuries. So, yeah, it, that's how quick things can change in football. You know, we were talking about Bolton being really solid under Ian Everett. The curve was almost consistently going upward. And suddenly, they're, they're not looking so hot. So, yeah, Bolton sort of need to... Stem the tide a little bit, really, because it's yeah they've they've been battered by Wigan, battered by Plymouth. I watched. I was at Hillsborough for the game against Sheffield Wednesday. They weren't very good there either. So, yeah, work for for Everton players to do there. 
Jed, other than your team's win at, at Bramall Lane, anything stand out to you from, from the Championship, good or bad? Yeah, I think it's always nice when you win on the Tuesday and you can relax watching the Wednesday games. And I think I think Blackpool, um, we, we played them three or four weeks ago, just before the first international break. We sneaked the 2-1 against them with a, another Jake Cooper last-minute winner. And they, they felt dangerous on the day. Um, Anderson, Lavery, Yates, they got pace on the transition. Bowler, uh, bowler on the wing, really good dribbler. And I think any team against any other team in the Championship, especially to come from 2-0 down and turn it round and win 3-2 is all credit to them. And they could be, along with Coventry, probably two teams that no one expected to be sort of sneaking towards the top half of the table. Yeah, good weeks too for Peterborough out of the bottom three at Hull's expense. They drop into it. Forest and Swansea as well. Within four points of the playoffs now, QPR back in the top six, Fulham back in the top two. Uh, you mentioned Bolton there, Adrian, as a, as a League One loser. Uh, the headline, though, is, is Nigel Adkins leaving Charlton. Thomas Sangard, the Charlton owner, says, I'd like to thank Nigel for his hard work, positivity and continued professionalism during his time at the club. Blah, blah, blah. All the best for the future. But is he P45? He can't be surprised, can he? Unfortunately, we, we've wheeled him on. We've wanted it to work, but it's just not working. Yeah, look, one thing you know about Nigel Atkins, he'll take it well. He'll, take, he'll see the upside and he'll smile about it and, and he'll, he'll be fine. He'll pick himself up because he's, he's very good at doing that, isn't he? He's such an upbeat character and personality really like him but yeah it, it hasn't gone well all I would say in his defense is that the club were really slow off the mark I think this summer in terms of bringing in the players they sort of it was a bit hamstrung and then eventually they got them but but it hasn't quite clicked yet it, you, you wonder has he had long enough or not maybe he has um, performances should certainly have been miles better given the, the quality they've got um, it's, it's the defensive record that's cost him his job. It's not at the other end of the pitch. Uh, 23 conceded in, in 13. And it's not unlucky. I looked at the, the expected goals against in open play and they're the third worst, Charlton. So they're kind of where they deserve to be if you, if you take into account how they've, how they've been without the ball. So, so yeah, I just think it's, yeah, it's a shame for him. But what a good opportunity for whoever comes in next to to bounce back because I think the squad is pretty strong. We've just got to sort out that, that defensive platform. Yeah, Johnny Jackson of this parish and Jason Newell in temporary charge there. Here's Richard Jolly with the stats. Managerial Nigels have only won 20.5% of their Football League games this season. Um, so Nigel Atkins out. Jed, I wonder if Danny Cowley might be next. 4-0 Pompey were thumped by Ipswich. He said he was ashamed of his team after this. It's That's... That's hitting the nuclear button for a manager, isn't it? To call out your players in public like that. He's obviously hoping he'll get a response, but how are you feeling if you're you're part of that Pompey dressing room now? Yeah, it's a club close to my heart, a club that I've got a lot of good friends with. Sean Williams, one of my best, best friends, still playing there now. Um, so I'm still very in touch with it. And like you say, talking of losses, it was a bad one. It switched sort of getting a bit of momentum, but Portsmouth certainly, again, struggling, chopping and changing between a back four and a back three. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries there, I think. The loss of Watmore in the summer um, for him then to go to Wigan and probably look as so far the, the most outstanding centre-half in the division. Brought in Robertson, he's out for 12 weeks. So that they've certainly been hit with injuries. So much so that uh, Sean Williams has, has dropped back into a back three. I think they've only got one fit centre-half. So it's always difficult to judge managers when they've had the injuries that they've had. But also on the flip side, it's down to a lot of responsibility always falls to the players, and myself included, if I'm not playing well. And, I think John Marquez, another good friend of mine, uh, Ronan Curtis, they're probably not playing 
as well as they can. And at that level, they're top, top players. So Portsmouth are going to start winning games. And they're probably going to need the likes of Ronan and John that have proved time and time again what good players they are um, to start scoring a, a few more goals. While we're talking managerial ins and outs, Clarkie, what did you make of James Robery getting the Newport job? Gallingly, only 36 years old. It's uh, trendy to appoint young managers these days, isn't it? Working for, for Forest Green in the same division. Yeah, exactly. But look, uh, they appointed uh, Mike Flynn when he was only 37. So it's sort of not new for Newport to, to go down that route. Um, tough act to follow, isn't he? Um, Flynn, I thought he did, did brilliantly over the years. But look, this this uh, lad has been earmarked. He's been sort of, not the son of, but I mean, Jed will, Jed will recognise that phrase, son of, but like Vincent Tan loves him. And no matter which manager has come in, and there have been quite a few at Cardiff while he's been there in the backroom team, he's always stayed. I think it's been he's been insistent that this... This coach is part of the the furniture there because they rate him so highly. Yeah, he's, he's sort of been through the system in Wales, and and he's helped to develop a load of good young players at, at Cardiff. I know they're having a bad time, but they've got some promising players. Colwell looks really good. Mark Harris is a full international now. A couple of others coming through. Um, Sam Bowen, one of those. So yeah, he, he's got a good record. I believe his philosophy is more aligned to entertaining attacking football than maybe Mick McCarthy's um, so maybe that that fit there obviously he was working with the younger players at, at Cardiff so I think I think once he's broken free of Cardiff we'll, we'll see um, Newport play some pretty good stuff and, and and that was the direction that they were going anyway he he got his UEFA pro license by the way at the age of 29 now wow. to get the UEFA pro license you have to really graft over a period of years don't you, you have to put in the hours and and basically be be the nuts and uh, he did that he did that by the age of 29 so he's clearly got a lot about him Jed is that the kind of modern equivalent of show as your medals you know it, it, this guy's coming in age 36 yeah. having never never had a first team job but if he can say to the players I got my A license when I was 29 is that going to get their respect a little bit quicker or is it just all about what how he actually interacts with you and and how he he takes his sessions and stuff yeah, definitely. I think early days, you're always, as a player, you're always looking at the manager and trying to sort of suss them out, even from that first meeting, the way they stand, the confidence they have in what in what they're saying. Players are very quick to make a judgment for good or bad. And ultimately, how many badges you have is irrelevant. If you start well and, you, and you're winning games, the players will be straight on board and they see the intent that you have uh, and you're clear with your messages. But I, speaking on James, I know uh, an old Mill stalwart I still speak to often, Steve Morrison's also working with a Cardiff under 23 setup and speaks really highly of him and, and always has. So I'm sure he'd be successful. And it is funny how the Welsh clubs, they sort of stick together. You see a lot of lads on loan go to from Cardiff there as well. So yeah, it's an exciting time. It's refreshing as well. Like you see Lowy at Plymouth and Rob Edwards, like you said, at Forest Green, who had us a coach at Wolves. It's nice to see these these new managers getting a chance definitely can I just ask uh, Jed about your experiences as a player with that first meeting with a manager because I remember taking myself back going a long way back but like I, I remember Arsene Wenger the first time he had he had the meeting with the Arsenal players and before the meeting I think everyone had made their mind up that this they'd, no, they'd never heard of this guy he's you know it's a random appointment who is he not sure we're having this and then after his first chat, which was very, very good, he, you know, he's very good with people, Arsene and it was like, okay, he looks like a school teacher, but I think we can trust in this guy. Kind of the players made their minds up very early. 
yeah, I think we can work with this. What are your experiences? Have you come out of first meetings before and been like, not sure I'm having this guy or, or the opposite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've been through it all, really. Like, the, the players, when the manager leaves, no one likes to see anyone lose their job, but the players, naturally, they'll be talking amongst themselves saying, oh, what about this guy? What about this guy? And we kind of, even before the gaffer come, we had me and Mark just as a group of players that someone that probably fitted the mould for us and would be good for us. And obviously, um, Gaffer's come in and had a really successful two years of us and, and took the club forward um, with the help of the board. But yeah, I've been through it all with with Walter Zenger at Wolves, obviously who didn't speak the best English and the meeting starts with Alora, Alora, Alora. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? No, rather than your typical <laughs> mill manager that I probably deal with now. Um, so it can go. And he had a general manager in a lovely Hugo Boss suit that probably wasn't going to be on the training pitch, but then would sort everything else out behind the scenes. So it's it's all different experiences, but it's very rare you meet bad people in football. Um, I could probably count on one hand who I've met that I don't like, and I'm not going to tell you who that is anyway. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it! <laughs> Next time you're on, definitely. Um, yeah, right, it's high time. It's high time we talked about Forest because they're on the up and up. Uh, before we get into that, let's hear from Lyle Taylor about what Steve Cooper's been doing at the club to turn their season around. The manager has instilled a belief in the boys and told the boys how good they are as individuals and as a team. And I think a little bit of belief had been, I say a little bit of belief, I think all of the belief had been slowly drained out of the the changing room, just from a a results point of view and and a a struggle with no fans and things like that over the last year. I'll I'll be honest, it's been one of the hardest years of my footballing career. Um, It's just not gone the way that I dreamed it would go. and the managers come in and there's a new lease of life. There's there's a few senior players now and a lot of young blood. And I think the mix is very, very good. Very good. Because we've got good senior players who are good pros. Yep. And like, I'm not going to blow smoke up my own backside, but, but Colback, me, Grabs, Bongy, good pros. We do it right and, and we train properly and we prepare properly and we, we do everything right. And, and then you've got those who are in the middle and Lolly as well as a senior yeah. player and then you've got those who are in the middle you've got Yatesy and, and Wazer and Scott McKenna who are good pros yeah. and then you've got the young lads who are learning their way and, and, and trying to pave their way and they are it's a very honest group and a hard working group and there's no end to what this group can actually do simply because of how hard working and honest the boys are Uh, It's been too long since we spoke to our friend Nick Miller. He retains a place on the TFLS WhatsApp group chat, but that needs to be earned. Uh, Nick will do that now as he tells us about his Tuesday night in Bristol. Uh, Nick, my first question, it goes to to a tweet that you've been adding threads to as the weeks go on. Will Forrest ever lose again? No, 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 I don't think so. Um, (laughs) This isn't even a statistic, but Steve Cooper's only been in charge for five games, which... I genuinely did have to check a couple of times because it just feels like it feels like he's been there for so much longer because he's completely changed everything to do with the team certainly and it just feels like that shouldn't be possible in such a short space of time. So at the moment it doesn't really feel like Forest are going to lose again because even if you know even when they go into injury time one nil down they still somehow come out with three points. So you know 
uh, poss- it's, it's it's a loose possibility that at some point in the distant future though there will be a defeat, but it doesn't feel like it at the moment. Yeah, promotional already have been assured by then, so we can we can probably yeah. take that. Lots of managers talk about philosophies, and it's always nice to hear that. But you want to see the kind of the proof of it, and and not only on the pitch. But I thought a telling moment came the other week at Barnsley when he was asked in his post match about, oh, Jack Colback got forward a little bit tonight, and he kind of bristled and was like, oh yeah, he's a midfielder. That's what he's supposed to do. It's not. It, it's a total turnaround to the approach to to setting up a team than than Chris Eaton had. There was yeah, there was another line. I think it might have been after the Birmingham game when Forest won three 0 where he said something along the lines of one of the drawbacks of a having playing three three at the back is sometimes you can only attack with six or seven players, and you just kind of the the, the, the there were there were no attacks with six or seven players. Um, it's I, I don't you don't want to kind of give Chris Hutton too much of a kicking because he, he you know he's a good man doing a difficult job, but the the difference in uh, absolutely everything to do with the team and you know the the, the players aren't I don't think are are aren't particularly shy about while trying to be respectful, aren't particularly shy about you know saying so that the, the mood has completely changed and that has apparently worked and it's uh, it greatly improved the mood of the dressing room. Yeah, we were just talking about earning managers or managers earning the respect of the players and clearly that's happened at Forest. And I think little things like in-game changes that work make a real difference, don't they? And, and I noticed that, that Figueredo came off in the second half and Mighton came on, which is obviously changing the shape. So little things like that, I think will make the difference because my one criticism of Hewton was, was that it was almost always like for like with the substitutions, wasn't it? It was almost always the same system as well. Yeah, the, the inflexibility was probably the most frustrating uh, aspect of it. As you said, all substitutions tend to be like for like. There were a couple in his last few games when it when it was kind of clear that everything was going one way, where he it was almost like he was going. See, I can be attacking uh, where he'd you know <laughs> go so far as to play a four four two or something equally daring. But yeah, I mean, he, he's he's made he makes changes in game. Obviously, that change that you mentioned there went from a three four three to three two four one. Uh, sorry, three two four two three one. But but he's also the, the the kind of default system seems to just suit the players more. One of the one of the things that stood out about the uh, the squad when he got there was there were quite there were a, a number of decent centre backs, a couple of full backs who really liked attacking, and no sort of really standout obvious number ten. So all of that points to uh, the system that he's playing at the moment. It's kind of it's relatively simple logic, but it, uh, it's um, you know working brilliantly. Uh, Jed, I know you didn't play when when Millwall went to the city ground a couple of weeks ago, but but you came up against Steve Cooper Swansea toward the end of last season. What what do you make of his style of football and and his management? He, he seems to to have got a pretty good grasp of the championship for somebody who's still relatively inexperienced at this level. Yeah, definitely. Always enjoyed watching his teams play. I watched the Forest game and even thinking back to the Swansea team, they were a disciplined team. Very clever where they would, if they scored the first goal first, I always thought they were the most difficult team to come back from in the game because they dropped deep, absorbed pressure, but then also with the likes of Grimes and Hurahan had the quality to hit you on the break with a pace of Jamal, Jamal Lowe, obviously Andre Ayew. That's what stands out to me. When I look at this Forest team, they got a lot of pace. Um, Jed Spence obviously coming in. Brennan Johnson's probably one of the quickest players in the championship. The likes of Mighton coming off the bench. So they are going to be the same. If they can start scoring early in games, especially in that formation, it really can become a counter-attacking formation and, and the quality and the pace that they have got on a counter-attack could make a difference for them, for sure. 
Uh, Nick, I'm going to use the phrase with all due respect, which means I'm about to disrespect somebody. But the, the thing about this run that, that Forrest have been on is it's been, been, been relatively modest opposition. That all changes on Sunday, doesn't it? In fact, it's a tough run now. Fulham at home, QPR away, Sheffield United at home. So I, I guess we'll see how much progress they have actually made in, in those three games. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if, if the fixture list had been slightly less kind to, to Cooper and he was playing these tick games as his first then you know who knows what would what the uh what the mood would be at the club but he's had these five games four wins in those and there was obviously one uh, just before one win before he officially took over as well um so he, there's not only has he got the kind of confidence up in the team but he has obviously figured out the best way of playing with these players it's it's a fairly settled team that he tends to uh, rotate one of the central midfielders uh, alongside Ryan Yates but uh, other than that you can be pretty confident about how he's going to play the players seem to sort of know what they are expected to do and all of that is just I mean it's it, these last five games weren't preparation for playing Fulham but now that Forrest are into this uh, slightly more difficult run they have at least got a bit of um, you know decent prep behind them what a shame you and I did a Forest podcast last season where they, when they were unfathomably crap for the entire campaign uh, rather than this. Before I let you go, an update if, you, if you're if you able to provide one on one of the key issues to come out of Tuesday night. Have they managed to get Jed Spencer's GPS tracker back? No, I don't know, actually. Um, yeah, if it, Surely for, it should for, be for... easy to find. Isn't that the whole point of them? Well... <laughs> Maybe, um, you know, if you've ever had your phone nicked and you tried, uh, tried doing one of those find your phone things, the, the, the swines always turn the, turn the phone off so you can't actually track it. So maybe the uh, nefarious scamp who made off with the GPS tracker turned it off so it can't be, uh, can't be tracked. If, if anyone hasn't seen this story, Jed Spence got so excited at the end that he threw his shirt into the crowd, forgetting that he um, had also thrown his GPS tracker and Forrest put a very sort of groveling tweet out saying, uh, can we have that back, please? They're quite expensive. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that is so Forrest to ask for it. You'd be amazed how much influence them GPS trackers have in football these days. You'd be yeah. amazed. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't scam them, the presumably, Jed. You got you got to be honest with you. You can't you can't trick the GPS I've tried tracker. So. Christmas Christmas Day, I've tried strapping it on a dog, strapping it on a three year old kid. <laughs> Don't work, no, honestly. If, <laughs> if if there are any kind of noble minded citizens out there, and someone tries to sell them a GPS tracker on a street corner somewhere, then you know, do the right thing and get in touch with Forrest, please. <laughs> Um, Nick, I could talk to you all day about the the glory that is the two-time European champions, Nottingham Forest, and their dramatic resurgence, uh, but I fear that we'll be losing listeners by the second. So instead, I'll simply say thank you very much and uh, good luck for Sunday. An absolute pleasure. Uh, Clarkie, you're at the world-famous City Ground on Sunday. As we said, big old test, but it should be a belter of a game, that. Yeah, no, yeah, two two good teams. Yeah, we we know what Fulham are about. Obviously... There have been inconsistencies with Fulham, battered at Coventry, weren't they, not so long ago. So so you never quite know. I, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And, and the point there we were discussing about Forrest becoming a counter-attacking side that Jed made, that's how I see them really. I agree. I think, I think they'll be better on the counter. Therefore, this is the kind of game that might suit them because I would expect Fulham to, to come on to them. Um, at times, since Cooper's taken charge, they've had over 60% possession. I think against Bristol they did and obviously struggled for the majority of that game. Against Barnsley, they had quite a high amount of possession 
and laboured, you know, at times laboured. Obviously, it was a good win in the end. So, um, yeah, I think it could be the kind of game that suits Forest, which is great for the neutrals. It should be should be decent. Uh, you will have spotted, listener, that Forest striker Lyle Taylor has got some brilliant pink hair. It's all in aid of Pink October, raising money for cancer research. Head to his Instagram to find out how you can support him. Uh, but it's not just Taylor using football for a good cause. Uh, it's time to speak to a man who's promised to get a back tattoo of a footballer if he raises a lot of money. It's the Huddersfield examiner, Stephen Chicken. Stephen, can you just explain to the listeners this this brilliant bet that you've made? <laughs> yeah, so essentially last year we had a bit of a, um, a fundraiser for a local food bank called the, the Welcome Centre who do great work in Huddersfield. They, they've done, you know, a huge number, over 10,000 food parcels last year and um last year we did a a pledge that i would do a game topless if we got to a certain amount and we we absolutely breezed past that um thanks in no small part to a five thousand pound donation from fraser campbell which was was massive for us um and took the total <laughs> for the uh, fundraiser to about twelve and a half thousand pounds so the preston game last year I, I did the whole game with my shirt off um so we wanted to top that this year and the idea that that we came up with and this is a fundraiser with with the Huddersfield Town Supporters Association and the Cowshed Loyal, they run something, you know, they're, they're part of Fans for Food Banks. So the idea this time is that if we can get the total that was at 12,500 from last year all the way up to 25,000 this year, then after the target is reached, the next town goal scorer, I will get their face tattooed on my back. That's the bet. Have you got any preference as to who that goal scorer is? What's your, what's your methodology here behind what was a good face to get on your back? Yeah, I mean, my 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 wife has a soft spot for Fraser Campbell, so it seems like that would be that would be the way to go, and it would seem appropriate after his generosity last year as well. To be fair, have you written off the prospect of 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 getting an opposition player on there? What if what if the first goal is an own goal? Yeah, lots of people have asked this. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with bookie rules, which is basically own goals don't count. It is tempting to get, you know, to get an opposition player with his head in his hands or, or something like that. But it has to be the next town goal scorer, town player. Can I just say, are you a tattoo kind of person? Because this is quite a step up from doing a match topless to actually getting a tattoo. <laughs> like that is that is sort of going going way beyond what what you probably could have got away with. Could be going the whole hog, although he doesn't score very often. So we right very good. <laughs> um, yeah, I do have a few. T- I've got six already, so it's it's not completely uncharted territory for me. But the back is com- is completely vacant at the moment, so that is a, a new canvas. <laughs> do the players know about it yet? Obviously, Fraser Campbell does. As, as word spread around the squad, do you know that is there going to be fierce competition to get that all important goal? I, I would hope so. I'll be I'll be honest. Part of the idea behind doing this was was to try and bait them into into it. But um, no, um, I, I'm not sure where the word has spread yet. Um, we we launched it on Monday, and obviously we we had the game on Wednesday night, so I've not really had a chance to to speak to the players yet, but hopefully I'll get to to talk to them after the Bournemouth game on Saturday and we can uh, we can spread the word a bit and maybe get get something going there but obviously we need you know we need the fans to donate as well we can't just leave it all to the players and you know on top of what Fraser did last year you know we did raise about I think about sort of 6 7000 pounds came from the fans and if we can get anywhere near that that kind of number this year that will take us a very long way towards it Judd, if um, if somebody from the the South London Mercury was to to 
get a tattoo of you on their back, just how freaked out would you be about it? Or, or are you so vain and egotistical yeah. that you would absolutely love it? It would be quite weird. Quite weird. I was just going to ask Steve, have you got a hairy back? Like, have you got a hairy back? I'm just thinking if it's if it's Sorber Thomas and you do end up getting his That's face tattooed on your back, could you like mould your hair into the afro <laughs> with your back be, hair? It would be nice. No, sadly, I don't. I'm, I'm pretty smooth. Um, I don't think, I'm trying to think if we've got any. But I mean, Aaron Moy would have been all right back in the day. Um, would have been a great one. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Great one. But no, I think uh, I think we're we're pretty short on bald. I'm a bald man myself. I think we're pretty short on pre- on bald players. So unless they get me signed up and get me on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephen, you're a great man, That's and it's a great cause. Uh, we're all going to support it. How how can people do so if they wish to? Yeah, so if you go to, I've set up a simple URL, Huddersfield Tattoo that'll take you straight to the just giving page and any donations any and all donations obviously massively gratefully received and if you if you want to read more about where it's going uh the welcomecenter.org is the place to go for that um as i say it's a local food bank in in huddersfield um and and they do fantastic work so it'd be uh, be great to support them all the best with it. I cannot wait to see the picture on the back of the examiner of the player looking at the tattoo on your back. I think that's going to be a really special moment. Well, this is it. We need to get there first. You know, we, we do need those donations. So if, if we want that to happen, then, then we've got to get going. All right, we'll look ahead to some of the big games taking place this weekend next, starting in the championship. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. Blackburn Rovers entertain Reading at Ewood Park on Saturday, hoping to reverse their slump in form whilst the Royals need to clear their heads after blowing a 2-0 lead in the week. Blackburn beaten at QPR, lost three of the last four, only won one of their last six. But, Jed, they've been pretty good at home recently. I'm sort of trying to find a way for us to talk about Blackburn without mentioning Ben Brereton-Diaz. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, Scored a bullet header against us actually earlier in the season. And it's, I think sometimes that can help maybe when you're on the fringes, the likes of him and Gallagher and Dolan in their own right, very, very good championship attackers. And obviously the hole that was left by Armstrong, I think them three have sort of really stepped up and especially Diaz. Um, player that we always really rate as a change room is, is Rothwell. Has a unique style as a central midfield player, kind of dribbles like a winger um, in, in the middle of the pitch and I'm not a big believer in assists now. I think they've got a lot of players that pass the ball five yards and someone pits it in the top corner from 30 yards and then they say, oh, I've got an assist. But I think his assist against Huddersfield, uh, where he sort of dribbled through the whole team and put it on the plate for Diaz, that's a, that's a proper assist. Um, so they can get him and, and Diaz playing well and, and Dolan's always very lively against us and they'll have a chance against the Reading team that 
all of a sudden, I looked at the table last night at half time and, and they were fifth. So they've all of a sudden, I think they've creeped up on everyone. And obviously with Swifty in the form that he's in, they, they could be again, could be a clash of two of the best players in the championship so far this season. How much are they going to be affected, Clarkie Reading, by that defeat on, on Wednesday night? Because it was it was snatching defeat from the jaws of victory in a lot of ways. It'll feel like they got punched in the stomach, but maybe when they reflect on it, they'll just say, look, that's, we got what we deserved. I don't think it was a great performance from Reading, even though they were in, in the lead. Blackpool really came at them in the second half. I think the, the end shot count was 18-5 to Blackpool. So it's one of those where... They probably, hand on heart, no, they deserve to lose the game. Some really scrappy goals in there. Um, but but they've done really well, I think, with Paunovic this season because so many injury problems. So for them to be in and around the playoffs is remarkable, really. And they've got you know a couple of sort of older players that didn't have clubs at the start of the season in Dan and Drinkwater. Obviously, he had a club, but, but you know, wasn't playing. So... You know, they've had to bring those into the fray, get them up to speed in the first team. So it hasn't been easy for them. Um, yeah, it, I think it'll be a good game. I think I think Blackburn will look at this as one where they can score some goals. I was looking at the stats. Reading have actually faced the second most shots in open play. So they've not, the structure of that team has not been especially secure this season and, and Blackburn have, have got some lively forwards. So, yeah, I think I think we could see both teams scoring here. Should be should be a decent match. Elsewhere this weekend, the bottom side, Derby County, go to Coventry City. Uh, Jed, you, you played Coventry recently. What have you made of them? They're, they're brilliant at home, not so great away. Yeah, I love Coventry. Play young, play their own way. The sort of team that just go out and play the way they want to play don't really show much respect to the opposition in a, in a good way. I think they've got some fantastic things. It's, it's interesting the way they play, obviously. Slow build-up and then with O'Hare, someone that probably is the next fantastic championship number 10 along the lines of James Madison, Bradley Dack. I think all he needs to really add to his games is consistently scoring goals and I think Coventry will probably struggle to keep hold of him. Sorry, sorry Coventry fans. And obviously, obviously Guy Carez, who's had a quiet time at Swansea and seemed to work well with the waghorn dropping deep and the power that Guy Carez has got, running power. He really stretched the game. Um, probably the, the best striker we've played against so far this season in terms of he was a real handful. Uh, so Coventry, I think it's no surprise that they're there. And I, I think they stay there. I, I really do. I think they stay there. I think they're young. I think they've got energy. And I think Coventry is a big club at home, especially the form they've got with the punters behind them. I think they're going to be difficult to, to knock out of that top six. Matt Godden available after that two-match ban for diving. What did you make of that, Jeb? Was there, there much talk of it in the dressing room? Because it's, um, it's the first time we've seen something like that happen, certainly in the championship. Yeah. Well, we obviously had Gibbs White sent off on, on Tuesday for something similar and fair play to the ref because uh, I think Bogle tried to dive in the first half, didn't get given and then and then Gibbs White, who actually top player, was playing really well and, and got himself sent off for a dive. So fair play to the ref. It's not easy to give them decisions when there's, there's 25,000 punters in the stadium. But to be fair, we should have probably had one sent off as well uh, 10 minutes later with Sav and, and he didn't give it. Uh, yeah, I don't know the, the diving one. I think it's difficult now because from a player's point of view, if you try and stay on your feet, you don't get rewarded. You have to go over. Someone like myself, I like to stay on my feet, but I know that if I take a hit and I stay on my feet, I'm not going to get that. So there is technically good play to go over, uh, as long as obviously it's not to the extreme of like a Godham where you're then caught technically cheating. But you do have to go over, otherwise it seems the referees don't want to give these decisions. 
you feel that there's less diving now, Jed, than before because the cameras are there, because there's a panel set up for this very example, as with Matt Godden? I mean, personally, I think they've let a few slide. You know, Matt Godden can't be the only player that's that's dived and not been sent off this season. But, but in general, do you think that it's having an impact on the players or not? To be honest, I didn't even really know about it until Godden thing happened. I didn't re- realise they were doing that, but... Phew. You're a brave man as a Millwall player if you want to take a dive at the den. I don't think it, <laughs> it would go down too well. <laughs> you got honestly, um, yeah. So I don't think it would go down well. But yeah, I, I think it's it's good. All you want as a player from referees and managers and all fans want from players is consistency. Um, you're not asking referees to make amazing decisions, and you just want the simple ones given. And obviously, on this time, it's gone back and and they've done the right thing. And obviously, uh, the team that it was against, I'm sure, won't be happy because. Although Gooden gets a, a ban, you can't claim back the points that, that it might contribute to. What about Derby then, Adrian? Impressive response since it was announced that they were going into administration. Drawn their last three. They did manage to score twice against Luton in midweek, which they'd only done on one previous occasion in the league. But but the problems are obvious, aren't they? They, they haven't got many options up front and they're not scoring enough goals. Yeah, look, full credit to the players. I, I think they've shown... Great desire, real commitment to the club, and they've been super professional, haven't they? Horrible times, you know, so much uncertainty. If this other points penalty kicks in, they pretty much know they're down, but the heads haven't gone down, have they? They're, they're really going for it, and I think Rooney deserves quite a bit of credit for for galvanising the squad. And like you say, it's a really small squad, no options really on the bench most weeks, um, and that's a problem, isn't it, if things aren't aren't going your way? couple of um, interesting sort of selection dilemmas for Rooney this weekend. He used Tom Lawrence as a false nine against Luton, which obviously gets probably their best attacking player in the be- in the right positions more often. Um, so will they persist with that? I think Kazim Richards came off the bench, so he's, he's available. Bulldog's another option for them. So that'd be interesting. And the other one's in goal. Um, Ryan Alsop came in for the suspended Keller Roos and got three clean sheets. And then he had a torrid against Luton, uh, made a real mistake for, for for one of the goals, coming out for a cross. So do, is Rooney going to be ruthless there with Ryan Alsop and bring back in Roos, or will he be forgiven? So yeah, keep your eye on that. But yeah, I think Derby are going to have to play well to contain Coventry. We know that they're quite solid defensively, but Coventry are capable of scoring multiple goals, no matter who they come up against at home. Are Derby capable of going away and scoring two or three? I don't think they are at the moment. Uh, Abby, let's get some odds on those games with Paddy Power, please. Uh, is Clarkie right? Coventry heavy favourites for the Derby? Coventry are the heavy favourites in that one. They are seven to ten uh, to beat Derby. Derby four to one, and the draw five to two. And what about the game between Blackburn and Reading? Yeah, Blackburn are the favourites in that one. It'll be no surprise. They are seventeen to twenty. Reading three to one. And if you fancy BBD getting on the uh, score sheet, uh, he is a ten to eleven anytime goal scorer or thirteen to five to open the scoring at Ewood Park. Always nice to hear Abby's occasional Scottish accent when she says the number thirteen. Uh, it's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, thanks, Abby. League one next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. A real boon for fans of the letter W this weekend as Wimbledon and Wigan wonder which will win when they square off in South London. Uh, boy, oh boy, Adrian, that was a big old win for the Dons at Lincoln on Tuesday. Gone six without in all comps before that, so they needed to uh, to get three points on the board and just, just keep the feel-good factor that, that's been around the club for most of the season. Yeah, I, I think they've had three positive results in a row, though. Uh, well, certainly two. Obviously, they drew with Sheffield Wednesday, which I don't think was the worst result, and, and Burton are flying high and they got a point there. So that I think it was coming. But yeah, it was a big, big win and a fully deserved one by all accounts at Lincoln. They, they're just such a young, fearless side that, that that are playing a very different brand of football than than they did under previous managers. I'll talk you through the forward line from the other day. They had Presley up front, who scored 19. He's on loan from Brentford. They had Asal and Rudoni, 19 and 20 on the wings. And uh, McCormick who's playing really well at the moment as the number 10 at the grand old age of 22. So, you know, this is, this is, this is boys really, you know, young kids and they're holding their own and, and, you know, they're working so hard, really good pressing team, uh, AFC Wimbledon. So yeah, and they, and they can make life difficult for it for anybody. So yeah, good luck to them. I think they've been much better than I thought they would be this season. And uh, I hope they give Wigan a, a game, but my fear is that here they come up against a Wigan team that are A, very good on the road and B, unbelievably experienced. They've got loads of 28, 29, 30 year olds that, that are very good, very good players as well. Will that now be too much for a team of boys? I, I think it might do here. Uh, one of those boys got the goal at Lincoln, Aaron Presley's penalty after five minutes. Mark Robinson says Presley has the right minerals to succeed. Absolutely no idea uh, what he's on about. Wigan, though, Jed, a bit like a box of chocolates at the moment. Don't worry, we're not going to get Neil Warnock to do his Forrest Gump impression <laughs> um, again. Beaten, beaten at home by MK Dons on Tuesday, days after thrashing Bolton. Is this just, just League One and it's famed unpredictability? Or, or is there a reason why they seem to be better away than at home at the moment? Yeah, I think Adrian's right. They're, they're powerful side. It's nice to see someone I know well in Liam Richardson doing a great job there. I think it's probably no surprise that Ipswich have had a bit of a slow start. Obviously, Cookie normally worked very closely with Liam and he's now got his job at first team level himself. Made some great signings in, in the summer with obviously the likes of Wyken. But the, the signings that really stick out to me, these guys like Max Power that have, that have been there and done that at this level, um, being promoted with the club before, that sort of know-how, uh, there's a few lads that have played there before and the pace they've got off the bench. I mentioned it earlier with Forrest, the likes of uh, Gwion Edwards, who I've always thought was a very, very, very decent championship wide man, even even to be playing in League One, Gavin Massey, Jordan Jones. So it makes such a difference when you can bring that pace and power off the bench, uh, especially at League One level. Uh, I really do fancy Wigan to to be in the top six and, and MK Dons have been outstanding. So I think losing to them is, is no no real hardship and the, the, the young talent that they've got on show. Uh, they're, they're certainly acquitted well so far this year as well. Uh, Abby Wimbledon don't get many wins at home. What are the odds on them to do so this weekend, please? 
They, they don't look good. It's 11 to 5. And so Wigan are their heavy, the favourites in this one. They're 11 to 10. Uh, and the draw, 23 to 10. So uh, it looks, looks good for Wigan. All right, we're on the home stretch now. We'll have a dip into League Two next. We're going to preview the game between Tranmere Rovers and Northampton Town at Prenton Park. Uh, Tranmere drew 2-2 at Harrogate on Tuesday, keep them nicely tucked into the playoff places. Six unbeaten in the league. Is that just, just proof, Jed, that Mickey Mellon needed a bit of time to get his feet back under the table there? It's, I don't know, maybe an assumption that if you're returning to the club, you, you're going to hit the ground running because you know it already, but it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah, I think it can, it can take time. Um, we've seen that all over the divisions that these managers need time and there's a lot of expectation there probably with the finish they had in the playoffs last year to then go one better this year. Um, so so what a success looked like for Tranmere this year, probably getting in the top three and they're in a rich vein of form now. I always think Tranmere is an interesting one because they can attract a lot of good players because there's not many clubs around Liverpool. And if a lot of lads like your McManamums, your Jay Spearings, they want to stay in the area, then obviously if they're not good enough to play for Liverpool or Everton, the next one down is, is Tranmere. So sort of location-wise, it works quite well to get a lot of the knockdowns from obviously them two huge clubs. And they've had a good start. I think they're on like a six-unbeaten run. They've been really strong at home. So they'll certainly be relishing this one against the physical Northampton team, I think. Tranmere, by the way, this is this is this is an absolutely mental stat. Tranmere have scored less than a goal a game, yet they're one point off automatic promotion. I mean, how does that work? I mean, it's just wow. <laughs> it's it, it, testimony to the defence. Just just incredible. They must have scored at the exact right time, literally every in every game. Yeah, if you you glass half full, you the say expected goals. The expected goals uh, purists won't be happy with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of them out there. Um, Adrian, you, you are a specialist in talking cobblers, specifically Northampton. In uh, in this case, make that joke every time we talk about Northampton. Do I? Ne- never gets any funnier. It's got to uh, be done, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Anyway, back to back wins against Mansfield and, and Stevenage without conceding. On the face of it, good. But then you look at the oppo and the form that they've been in, and I just wonder how much we can read into that. What have you made of them? Doing well. No, I'm re- really impressed with, with Northampton. Um, the, the manager, I think, is he's getting some plaudits, and rightly so. He's he's new to first-team management, isn't he? did well as a caretaker last season, or well enough, even though they, they, they went down eventually. But, yeah, I, I like them. He's, he's built a brand-new defence, very settled unit as well. And I think four of the five as summer signings, they've only conceded 11 goals in, in you know, 13 games. So Tranmere, obviously miles ahead with just six conceded, but Northampton are the next best at the back. So so I think that's the basis, seven clean sheets as well. So so no, I think they'll go to Tranmere and I think it could be a truly terrible game. It, it could be, it could be you know, the most nailed on nil-nilly you've ever seen. I mean, having said that... Yeah, what's the odds on a nil-nil? For yeah. <laughs> each now. But yeah, look, Northampton always strong, aren't they, at set pieces? They, they, even when I played in, in the olden days, they were always big and strong and great at corners and free kicks. And it seems like throughout the years, that's, that's like a non-negotiable for Northampton teams. And and they've scored nine set piece goals, which is the most this season. Wow! Um, so 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 yeah, look, they'll have their own threat, but uh, yeah, I think it could be cagey if you look at, if you're looking at the records of these two teams. Uh, Abby, that that means I've got to ask you, what are the odds on a nil nil draw? The odds are a thirteen to two. It is the second most likely outcome according to Paddy Power, with a one nil Tranmere win coming in at six to one. Uh, Tranmere the favourites, eleven to eight. Northampton nineteen to ten, and the draw two to one. 
You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, right, well, this is Whizby. We're just about out of time for today. Before we go, though, in honour of the great Stephen Chicken, I've got to ask uh, who you're getting tattooed on your back, their face, if it was for a really good cause. Clarky, uh, fascinated by your answer here. Lots to go at. Would it be Arsene Wenger? Would it be somebody else? It, could, it can't be Arsene Wenger because Arsene Wenger told me to go. He said, there's the door. Go. <laughs> I mean, he said it in a much nicer way than that. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, even though I love what he achieved for, for Arsenal, I'll always hold it against him for, for letting me go. Um, so no, it can't be him. Look, this is such a hard one. A, I, I will never have a tattoo. I just, I'm just not that sort of person. Um, yeah, the thought of it just, yeah, scares me. But I've gone for Ian Wright because Wright is one of my favourite people. I think he's a really happy. I want a picture of a big beaming smile of Ian Wright either scoring a goal or something like that. Because I think that he, he can light up a room, can't he, Wrighty, with, uh, with that smile. Really like him. He was one of the best players I, I got was lucky enough to play with. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Wrighty. But this, this was a very hard question. <laughs> I really didn't didn't know which way to attack it. <laughs> uh, Jed, I'm interested to hear your answer. I half wonder if, you, if you're going to pick a teammate and just say, yeah, I'm just going to freak George Savile out by getting his face on my back and just taking my top off at training without saying anything. Morning, George. Oh, How are you doing? God. That kind of thing. I think I've had enough of George. I've been with him the last six years on and off. So I've certainly seen enough of him. Um, I think after his winner on Tuesday night, I think I'll probably get a picture of Jake Cooper's surprised face when he realised that he just picked one in the bottom corner from 30 yards. There's a facial expression in one of the pictures where he looks like, oh, hang on a minute, was that me that just did that? So I'll probably get something like that. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. It wasn't the first question I thought I was going to get asked when I woke up today, but I'd probably go with uh, Coops' excited Bramall Lane winner face, I think, yeah. That that is a great shout because when I watched the watched the celebration, when he was in front of the fans, he was like, he was totally freaked out, wasn't he? He was like, yeah. I said on... to him like, you didn't look, look, look you, I said to him, you didn't look like you know what you wanted to do, and he went, I, I honestly thought at one point I thought I just about taking my clothes off. I went, Mate, you can't do that. <laughs> it, it, it did. It looked like he he was, so he was having an orgasm or something like that. It looked like he was on some unbelievable high. Like it was just like it was a bit freaky. Let's be honest. He was, he was he wanted to go in the crowd. I think he's got three yellow cards. He was desperate to go in the crowd, but if he gets a yellow now and then he gets another one on Saturday, he misses the next game. So you could see him like putting his big nine foot five frame back and going over the stands. Um, but no, what two? He scored two last minute goals for us this season that have contributed to four points. So. Fair play to Jake Cooper, so I think he deserves a face tattoo, definitely. Yeah, that's worthy of that. Um, Clarky, you said you, earlier that you knew who I was going to pick. Who, who do you think it is? It's got Brian Clough, surely. Surely Brian, surely Cloughy. It's the obvious choice, uh, but going back to what we were chatting with Stephen about, I, I do unfortunately have a hairy back, so I think a Ben Brereton-Diaz one would actually be easier to pull off <laughs> because he's so astute. Maybe Brian Kilcline <laughs> if we're going really old school. Um, but yeah, just to make it a, you know, a bit more method, a bit more involved, um, just, just, just manage it around that. It's 3D, a 3D tattoo. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a weird conversation, isn't it? We've had some strange ones um, at the end of pods this season, but, but this, is, this is right up there. <laughs> I think. So, so we better bail out at this point. Um, Jed, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really hope we can get you on again soon and, and good luck for the rest of the season. No, thanks. I've loved it, guys. And uh, thanks for having me on. And I'll definitely be back on at some point this season. 
if you'll have me. Mm, certainly, anytime. Clarky, you're contractually obliged to return, <laughs> I'm afraid, so uh, you've got no choice, but still, I hope you've enjoyed yourself anyway. Very good fun, yeah. Enjoyed it as always. Excellent. Thank you, listener. Many thanks to producer Abby for knocking it all together again. We'll be back to do the same thing, but better, possibly, on Monday when we'll look back at what will be another busy weekend in the Football League. Until then, from all of us here, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.